0: You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode
1: 53. You know, you shouldn't really worry about competition. Let them worry about you. You don't have to worry about them.
0: I love it. This is game-changing information, guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll. And Cody Woo! Welcome to another episode here on Wholesaling Inc. brought to you by Investor Grit. Today we have an awesome, awesome podcast getting ready to blow your mind. So guys, Rhino Nation, everyone stop what you are doing. This is going to be worth listening to today. We've got Neil Stedman from Washington DC. He's been wholesaling for about two years. Now he's been in the real estate arena for quite some time as a successful real estate agent but also as a developer he does his own rehabs fixing and flipping homes but he got into wholesaling about two years ago so that he could skip the middleman and pretty much find his own deals so that he can rehab himself so i know a lot of people out there ask the question man do i want to get into the fix and flip me personally it doesn't work for me but for this guy It works phenomenally, and so he's going to deep dive some of the stuff that he does as well as share and deep dive a big deal, his first deal that he ever did wholesaling, and it's bigger than some people make in a whole entire year. So without uh, saying any more, let's bring on Mr. Neil Stedman. Neil, how are you doing, my man?
1: Doing great, Cody. Thank you. It's a wonderful introduction. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Did I cover everything? And if not, help fill in the gaps a little bit about your background. Let people understand a little bit more who is Neil.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you you covered it pretty well. I started uh, right out of college doing real estate sales. Uh, unfortunately, the the timing was pretty poor because I got my license and then the recession hit, <laughs> so that it was pretty poor timing. But through all of that, I, I emerged a better a better person and. In, in, in a uh, real estate investor.
0: Now did um, you I, stick with it though? Like here's the recession cuz that's what's grit right there is you got into it, recession hit, did you have to jump ships for a while or did you know like no, we'll find a way to make it work and make it work?
1: No, uh, I, I I pushed through. It was very scary. I remember, you know, agents in the office that had been doing it a long time were crying and it was just a really a really <laughs> bad time. It was a yeah, horrible It was time. hard. It and was I can horrible. only
0: imagine for you as a real estate agent and a brand new real estate agent. You didn't have really clientele built up. This was all massive grit, massive action. I can only imagine. It was a very hard
1: time. Lost my parents to cancer, uh, then had, uh, and then the recession hit. I was just like, what is going on? So the, it was just a very difficult period, but you got to, I just made the commitment and I didn't want to look back, man. I thought that would be worse is to not push through it. And it's a great lesson for anybody that's listening. man. It is that if you just if you just if you just keep pursuing it, the all good things will happen to you. It's just a matter of time. If you keep working it and in putting a hundred percent in and not giving up, I wanted to give up a million times. But if you just don't, great things will happen. It, it'll just happen.
0: Yeah. But wouldn't you agree that now looking back, and I, I guess with anything in your life, I mean you've got multiple arenas where you've proven to be successful, have any of those channels ever been easy first and foremost? No. No, and that's the whole point is it is going to be tough. It's going to be hard but that's okay because the true success that each one of us are looking for is on the other side of comfort. we got to get uncomfortable and I can tell you by listening to what Neil was just saying that was very uncomfortable. I can't even imagine trying to begin in real estate during the recession? I I don't even want to know what that looks like, but I can tell you for sure it wasn't easy. But was it worth it now looking back?
1: Yes. Absolutely, right? And I'm I'm uncomfortable every day. (laughs) (laughs) So picking up, you know, calling people and getting yelled at by people that didn't like your mailer or or whatever. Sure. On the other side of that, it's going to be success. So, Every you know, every call you, you take, every call you you follow up on, every person you follow up with will eventually yield a great deal. It always will happen.
0: Awesome. So let's kind of go into this is what intrigues me, because I actually don't even do like the fix and flip game or the developing game. So you've got some success going and developing. What ultimately turns you on to wholesaling? Because it looks like you've been doing developing rehabbing for quite some time, and it's only been a couple years that you've actually done Wholesaling. So what was it that's like intrigued you, interest you? Like, here's why I want to do some wholesaling.
1: Well, honestly, man, I hadn't I hadn't done development for that long before wholesaling. I've only been developing for about five years. I was very lucky to uh, have a business partner that was brilliant at it. And, and we were able to join forces, raise money, find opportunities. But I guess what was what was happening is kind of instinctually I was writing Handwritten letters to uh, houses that needed work, Um, and I kind of dabbled a little bit in in some lists that were not great, but I had this this instinct that I should go right to the right to the 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 homeowner rather than the open market to find deals. And I just I I had I down a friend of mine told me to download this app called Stitcher, right? And it's it's like it kind of hosts all these podcasts, and I started to. Go into the real estate investment, and I found guys like Sean Terry, and I started listening to them. And then they started bringing up wholesaling. And even though I was in uh, development and in, 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 as a realtor, I never even heard of it. I, I never, I never even knew it was something you could do. And then I was listening to it, and I didn't give it much thought. And then I, I remember this one deal that I was working on that I ultimately didn't get. Somebody had bid me up two hundred thousand dollars, and they and they developed it, Holy and I'm it, on paper, it didn't make any sense. So it said to me, well, there's clearly a market out there that's above what I do and below the regular market, uh, the retail market for investors. And it, it was kind of – that that's, that was my big aha moment that that there, that this could work, really, really could work. And then I found – I listened to Tom Kroll like many other people, joined the program, and it, it's been a blessing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So – Here you are two years into it doing wholesaling, and was it two years ago that you actually joined the tribe then as well? Yes. Okay. So you go through this, and then now looking here, you have two years under your belt wholesaling. How many wholesale deals have you done where you've actually wholesaled the homes?
1: I don't do a ton. I do between uh, 8 and 12 a year, but you got to keep in mind that I also- Keep a bunch of them, right? Keep most of the best deal. Well, cherry picking the best. <laughs> I, pick, I do cherry pick, but the I also wanna. I also create an expectation for my buyers that I don't send anything that's marginal. So I, I try to anything that we don't develop, um, anything kind of in excess that's still a very good deal. Then we wholesale.
0: Okay, so eight to twelve, maybe a year wholesale deals, and that's because there could be a lot more. But it's the fact that, hey, those are also what we do. That's what, how we develop. That's what we do. So you're keeping a bunch of these. But still, it sounds like with what you're saying, you send out the deals that maybe is more than what you can handle at the time or just one that you don't want to do. But it still leaves plenty of meat on the bone for the end buyer to still make their money on it as well.
1: Exactly. And you, you want to keep a, a good reputation with with your buyers and make sure that they get – quality product and that in that way they'll always be loyal
0: i love that that's absolutely take care of everyone make it a win-win-win all the way around but also something to point out to the listeners today is which which is absolutely huge is being the wholesaler being the first guy in and put the home under contract allows you to do exactly what neil is doing and that's cherry picking his best deals and the same thing goes for me now mine's not for the fix and flip but it would be to cherry pick my best deals and keep them for long-term buy-hold rentals, which I'm loving getting into. And so that's why I love wholesaling. It's almost like to the mindset now of, I wholesale it because I don't want it. Otherwise, I'm a wholesaler because it helps me find deeply discounted properties that I can keep to build my rental portfolio. So it's been been great that way as well. So let's do this. Let's deep dive what was your first deal. And I, I still sit here, and even pinch myself, and it's not even my deal because of how good it worked out and turned out for you. Let's kind of deep dive how it all started. Like, what was the what was the the form of marketing that you did to to get your phone to ring? And then let's walk us through this this whole entire deal.
1: Uh, sure. It was a few years ago. It was uh, I sent out. I think it was the uh, I, I got a short sale list. Okay. Um, and this was definitely. The one that worked out among many that did not (laughs) work, but I, I had always just, I'd always just done handwritten yellow, yellow notes with red ink. Very simple, quite laborious, but it, it it always ended up working.
0: Were you writing these yourself or were you? Yeah. Oh, you were good for you.
1: I still write them today. It's it's funny. I do big mailing, but I still write them. I still enjoy it, but
0: good for you.
1: So I got a call. And I just—I remember the, the, the day before. I was really I was really uh, dejected because I went to an appointment and a woman kicked me off her porch because I was <laughs> I was like two minutes late in DC, which is nothing. <laughs> and the woman, uh, she—I she, pulled up and she kicked me off her porch, and I was really dejected. And the next day was the, the my, it turned out to be my first deal, and so another story to keep you know keep at it. But went on the appointment. The house was in pretty poor shape. It was a large uh, row house in DC. It was like four stories. Um, it was near a, a neighborhood that was really turning over very quickly, and I loved it. I, I wanted it. I was super nervous and just pushed through it.
0: So meet with it with the with the seller. Did you go through? Here's one thing that's key that I know you do really well is. You go to this appointment, you see it not only is the home just in disrepair, it's distressed, but what is the why like what was the ultimate reason why this individual was wanting to sell the home? Is it just like, "Hey, come make me an offer see you later, or is it like, "Hey, all this stuff's going on and I've got problems and I want you to fix them." How did that look?
1: It, it really it was much more of the latter. When you go on enough of these appointments, you really get a sense of the difference between those two positions. Most people are 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 going to tell you just give me an offer and you and you do it and it, it, some will work out but every now and then you get somebody that really is distressed and really needs help and this gentleman was was very he was he was older he had health issues um, the house was in not in good shape and he just wanted to to move out and he wanted to and really we built really good rapport I really did care you know I cared a lot for the for the man and you know building rapport with somebody is 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 always great for business, but um in this case I built a really good relationship with, with the seller. So
0: Which is so key though. Like I I know you popped that off really quick, but this is what makes Neil successful at wholesaling and finding deals for him to rehab himself is because he takes the time to build a great relationship with these sellers because ultimately Would you agree that people – I mean there's – I feel like so much of what we call the so-called competition, just go in there worried about the deal, the deal, the deal, the money, the money, the money, where they forget to worry about the most important person and that is that individual, that seller. But when you build that relationship of trust, who ends up walking away majority of the time with the contract?
1: I was the uh, 38th person to go through that house. 38th person to go through the house. I remember I walked into it. Holy smokes. He showed me a stack of We Buy Houses cards. And, yeah. And I saw a friend of mine actually had sent him something too. <laughs> and, it's just, it's just, and I think if you have the, the mindset that you know it, you shouldn't really worry about competition, let them worry about you. You don't have to worry about them. I love it. So if, if you have that mentality going in, you, nothing will stop you. If you have a genuine interest in these people's lives and helping them and and really taking that that step and, and don't treat them as uh, you know chattel or just another you know just an, another mark in your in your, your monthly quota that's when success really happens that's what I've noticed and I've always been very focused on that which made me um kind of a kind of a lousy agent because I lost a lot of business because I was probably too thoughtful <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I, I wasn't much of a shark sure um, so and that, that but that seemed to work out as a developer oddly. You know if you really if you care about these people's issues, you'll get great deal. So I was the thirty eighth person through the house. He showed me competition cards and things like that, and I got the deal. so
0: So you walk away with the home under contract for being the the individual that was uniquely different than everyone else in the sense of you showed that you cared for him, loved the guy, wanted to help him through his situation. You put the home under contract. What is the difference? What were you able to put it under contract for? And and ultimately you can say what you're gonna what you sold it for, but also did you realize this up front when you put it under contract? Like sometimes we'll put a home under contract and you think it's maybe gonna be a five thousand dollar deal, and then you realize, oh man, that was actually a twenty thousand dollar deal. Holy smokes, that was awesome. I mean, did you already know at hand what you already had, or is this something that's like, well, time's gonna tell?
1: No, I, I kinda knew what I had. I, I knew that the, w- the way the zoning worked in Washington, I was able to subdivide this, this large house into two condos. And when you, when you condominiums just by, by, their, by their nature have a higher price per square foot. So then you can kind of extrapolate that and figure out the, the end price and kind of determine value. So what, what happened was I, I knew that the property was valuable because of the location, the size, and the zoning. Those were very important aspects. And we had, and I, my full intent, honestly, was to was was to develop, was to develop it because that's what I had done in the past. But I started to, you know, this is I was kind of in my foray of, of of wholesaling, and I realized, you know, I don't I don't really have the capacity to do this this great deal. I should probably just, you know, start to build a buyer's list and send it out. So that's kind of the the path of it. So I, but I did I did know the, the value.
0: Okay. So, but did you ultimately? Kick it into place where you did all the the divide and all that, the rezoning of it, or is that something that you had to just present to your cash buyer saying, "Hey, with this, you're able to do this with it."
1: Uh, yeah, I I I wasn't going to do the, the development of it and then and then sell it. Uh, I would sell it as just as, as is, and then. The, but there's plenty in, in Washington, and I'm sure every market has a low, uh, a specific type of development that they do. If you keep building your cash buyers list, you're gonna. there's something for everybody. Sure. So that's the incentive to always build a very robust buyers list. I think Tom said it best. The, the, the person with the biggest buyers list wins. I agree. And that that, that if I stuck with me this, to this day. So
0: I love it. So with that being said, what were you able to put it under contract for? And then what were you able to sell it to your cash buyers for?
1: My numbers are going to be a little off. But I will say it was 700000 under contract and I signed it for 8:50.
0: Holy smokes. So here <laughs> hold on, you already know what's coming. Hold on one second. All right, so we've got the victory bell ringing on this because <laughs> why I'm going to throw this out there with all the podcasts that I've done so far, I would say that's probably the biggest assignment. That I have personally interviewed as a student thus far, so you 've set some high standards and some high bars with this one, so a hundred and fifty thousand dollar assignment fee by putting this home under contract, knowing that if the the end developer wanted to make the most out of the money they would they 'd need to split it up, rezone it, whatever that may be, but they saw the value the instant. Benefit there did it, which allows you to make 150 grand to just walk in and walk out.
1: That's right. I should have asked for more. They're making a killing off.
0: <laughs> now, is this a project that's still underway, or is this something that, now hindsight, you're like, man, me as an investor, like as a developer, why did I pass on this?
1: <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> you always have to, You always have that fear. I sure. definitely. I, I and I'm very open with the person that I signed it to. It's actually. A uh, a friend of mine, but uh-huh. I told her, I was like, I should have kept this deal. <laughs> I, remember, I remember holding the open house and we had all these uh, I'm sorry, not open house, showing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah,
0: like the inspection for showing. it. Uh-huh. it very
1: important. We had a showing and um, I remember telling her there, I was like I, I don't think I should have signed this, but um, I'm very happy to say, no, it's still under, it's still it, it actually takes a long time to do a condo conversion. Um, so sure. it's actually wrapping up Um, maybe what I could do is, uh, take some photos of it and upload it to, uh, the group and just share some photos,
0: man. That'll be awesome. That is fantastic. $150,000. Like this is where I want listeners to understand by thinking outside the box, pushing through it, taking massive action and just going out there the day before he was kicked off someone's porch because he was two minutes late, which. Man, that just typically in any state, that's that's going to be just fine with two, two minutes over. And it should be in Washington, D.C., like you said. But he could have got off his horse and just had a pity party, but he didn't. He knew, I've got another appointment tomorrow, and I've got to shake this one off, and I've got to be my best, and I've got to go out there and see if I can help this individual. You end up doing it. You're the 38th investor So everyone listen up. You don't always have to be the first one on the appointment. He was the 38th investor, and he gets the contract, which ultimately leads him to make $150,000 in one deal, which I absolutely love. That's awesome, Neil. Thanks, man. (laughs) Okay. So if you were to look back two years ago, and we've got a lot of new listeners, a lot of people that are upcoming like rock star rhinos that are going to be the next best wholesaler out there. If you were to go back to the beginning stages and you said, hey, if I could do it all over again, this is my one word of advice that I would give to anyone new getting into wholesaling.
1: Be stupid and just do it. Don't overthink it.
0: So deep dive this because I I know where you're going at, but I want to make sure they understand exactly what you mean by be stupid and just get involved.
1: I have derailed my my career so many times by overthinking it. And I had to make a conscious decision when I became a wholesaler to just do it. You know, just go out and, and I don't care if I get rejected a hundred times. At least I'll know that this will work or it won't. And overthinking a bit, overthinking about is this the right mailer? Is this the right color mailer? Is this the right list? Or will they like me? Am I saying the right things on the appointment? All those things are irrelevant. The only thing that thing that matters is if you do the action that causes the result, and then you keep following up. So, set up your systems. Send out a ton of mailers as much as you can you can afford to do. Um, I personally like the the white ones with the the handwritten uh, note. They, they they give me a very good rate of response. And um, don't worry about rejection. I like it. So much about it, and now it doesn't phase me a bit. <laughs>
0: I absolutely love it. Take massive action. I always use that the the what is it? What where you take the word an acronym? I guess KISS: Keep it simple, stupid. Meaning, just be stupid. Go out there. Go out there and take massive action. You're not going to always win. You're not going to always be the best. But you are going to make some mistakes. You are going to hear people to tell you to pound sand. You are going to tell. You're going to hear people kick you off your porch because you're two minutes late. You're going to hear all this, but that's okay because all of that also led up to a $150,000 assignment for Neil Stedman. Like that is right. the best part about this is mistake, 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 mistake. Go out there take massive imperfect action. Don't always 100% know exactly how it's going to go down, but you go out take action and it led you to an amazing amazing year in one deal. <laughs>
1: right. And every day I just I have to remind myself to just be a big dummy and do it. Love so, it. Now, are you much of a reader? Oh, I read all the time. Absolutely. Okay.
0: What would be a good book if you're saying, hey, this is the book that helps me, whether it's a mindset book, whether it's an actionable item book, what would that book be to tell everyone to say, hey, this is one of my favorites. Take a read.
1: I loved uh, the book called, I think it's called The Pumpkin Patch.
0: Yeah. Is that plant. Mike? Mike, I can't remember the last name.
1: I don't remember either. He's the one that um, did
0: Profit First, I believe.
1: Well, it's it, it just it – just, it, what it the the main lesson behind it was just to focus on income producing actions and everything else gets the boot
0: I love it so the pumpkin patch go look that up because that is a good book and I have read it and I wish I knew the name offhand great great book put all the things that are revenue producing like he says and kick out the stuff that's not kick out the facebook kick out the the texting people kick out all the the nonsense and just when you're focused and laser sharp on the revenue producing things, that's when you see true growth in your business. I love it. Well, Mr. Neil, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I can't tell our listeners enough that if they would listen to this over and over again, five times, how many gold nuggets they will pull from this of action, being okay with rejection Going out there and just sending. I love this. Here he is two years into it. And more than that, when it comes to as an investor and, and working in real estate, and he still personally is handwriting some letters still because it's something he loves to do. So there's things you can do and take away from this podcast that if you will apply it today and actually take massive imperfect action, it would lead you to your next deal. It leads you to your first deal. And quite frankly, could be just like a $150,000, which is absolutely awesome. So, Neil, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy man. I know right when you get off this, you're going to be going right back to work. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) You got it. Okay. Well, Neil, thank you again, and I know we are going to continue to talk to each other, but also we've got different live events. I know you can't make it to the April one, but we're going to catch you on the the January one that we're going to talk about here in the near future, but uh, it's always a pleasure talking to Neil. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Cody. Anytime, buddy.
0: All right, Rhino Nation, you've heard another amazing episode with Neil Stedman. This guy's a rock star, but it's because he is not afraid ...to fail. He's not afraid to take imperfect action. This guy goes out and gets it done, and that's why he's successful at what he does, and that's why his wholesaling business continually grows, and his developing business continues to grow because he finds his own deals now. He doesn't have to buy them from another wholesaler. So there's multiple ways that you can use wholesaling, and this has been an awesome episode to teach us that. And if you're not part of the tribe... Book a call with our team, and you can do it from that exact same website. And if we love what you have to say, we just might invite you to be part of the tribe. Until next time, Rando Nation, take care.